Hello and welcome. My name is Robert. And I'm Foster. And this is the Also See Podcast, where we take an actor or a director from an upcoming release and talk about one of their older movies that might not be as well known. This week, we're basing our topic off Zone of Interest, directed by Jonathan Glazer. I typically have a spiel that I go on about you've seen this and that, but apart from Under the Skin, which I don't think in itself is very well seen, um, I don't know if people know many, if there are any mainstream Jonathan Glazer movies. So I'm just going to say, in honor of Zone of Interest, we watched uh, his movie Sexy Beast, which the synopsis reads from IMDb, brutal gangster Don Logan recruits quote-unquote retired safecracker gal for one last job but it goes badly for both of them what do you think any thoughts okay so this was when we started this podcast and you asked if i if i wanted to 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 grace your podcast with my presence i i said yes and when we were talking about the movies we would discuss i said i'm super flexible with most of them i really really want to talk about sexy beast whenever zone of interest comes out because i you wanted could to not see get movie. enough of ray winstone in a speedo is what it is amen i was so <laughs> excited just to talk about this movie and to watch this movie because i've heard about it for so long the things i'd heard were ben kingsley's supposed to be incredible and it's just like a really, really like great underseen, better than it has any right to be crime movie. And uh, for me, it lived up to that perfectly. I am very glad we chose to talk about this. And as a quick aside, sure. uh, nine times out of 10, when we talk about a movie, in fact, this may be the only time so far, I've actually already seen Zone of Interest, which I can humble brag mm-hmm. about a little bit living in New York. It is, I think, a masterpiece. I think it is one of the best movies of the year. And I think Jonathan Glazer is kind of a genius. He's only made four movies, but I mean, the guy himself is just so interesting. He like picks a a project that he gets really interested in, devotes his all to it. And I mean, they're unique and different every single time. So he did Sexy Beast, then he did Birth with Nicole Kidman, the only one I haven't seen yet. Then he did Under the Skin, and then he did The Zone of Interest. And like, there's often like 10 years in between his movies. So I just think he's an interesting guy too, which is part of why I wanted to talk about this rather than some of the other movies which might have bigger re- there might be bigger releases this weekend but sure Wonka yeah. comes out this week but and there are plenty of Chalamet or Paul King movies we have to talk about but that's fine um <laughs> I'm making chocolate of course <laughs> I'm making chocolate of course um so that's what I was going to ask because I've only seen Under the Skin and Sexy Beast is very different than Under the Skin is Zone of Interest very different than those two i guess we don't need to get too deep into zone of interest talk but i kind of like the eclectic nature of his filmography based on what you're saying at least i this is a bold comparison i think he is the closest living director we have right now to stanley kubrick along with maybe paul thomas anderson he can do just about anything it seems just again i've only seen three out of his four movies i still haven't seen birth but like He's got a very precise style. He's like, I mean, this is his first movie and it's super stylish right out the gate. Oh, like, yeah. Yeah. I mean, he can clearly do any genre. He's, he seems like the kind of person who just like gets obsessed with like an idea and just, you know, goes all in. Like, like one of the things he said in an interview about Zone of Interest, that movie was shot with like remote controlled cameras so that the crew wouldn't be on set messing with the actor's headspace. Like, he does all these crazy things for his movies and, it doesn't feel like an act either. Like it feels like, like, like purposeful, you know, and unpretentious sure. somehow, you know, like, I don't know. I just think he's so interesting. Interesting. Um, there's that word again. There's that Come word back to again. haunt us. You <laughs> from listen, our dangerous method. Six weeks ago. Um, 
So he had experience directing music videos. I'm looking now and it looked like he did some Radiohead and Nick Cave music videos. So I guess that's not to diminish what he's done in, in movies, but I was thinking of Sexy Beast. Up until the end, it felt very much like In Bruges, which was, um, what's his name? Martin McDonough's Rick. first movie also. Oh, yeah. But he had lots of experience doing stage plays. So he was a, a writer up to that point. That's, insane. That's a whole other can of worms also that he's was doing stage plays for so long, but is so in control of cinematic language visually and audit, uh, auditorially. Anyway, um, so I was thinking of that movie because it felt similar in tone and in plot to Sexy Beast. So it's, I don't have too deep of an observation there other than it's their first movies and they're both very assured crime movies that are not like the typical crime movies in the way that you might think. And they've got silly accents. Yeah. I mean, that's the, real, that's the real common thread. That's the real person that I was thinking of. The, fir- the first director I thought of ahead of uh, McDonough was Guy Ritchie. I was like, oh, no, because I'm yeah. frankly not a fan of the, you know, street level Guy Ritchie mob movies i don't really like those i said is this about to be that am i gonna hate my 100 minutes but thankfully it's not (laughs) Uh, (laughs) i don't know how popular guy Ritchie actually is i know some of his early movies are pretty popular but um yeah get into it a bit (laughs) like what did you love about (laughs) sexy beast like why how, how did it live up to the hype or live up to your expectations at least so my favorite thing in movies is performances. It's just always going to be the thing that I gravitate to most. Um, yeah. I just, I just am really like interested in people, you know, and I just love expressions. I love, I love voices. That's why I talk about accents so much. They're just fun for me to listen to. Um, and I mean, this, I mean, the accents in this movie Did you know are incredible. The movie first talk of all. to me, like they use their actual Australian accents. <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> um, I, Okay, unironically, un- as an aside, yeah, yeah. like that's part of the charm for me is I love the Australian accents. Like I know I kind of like make jokes about it, but I actually love it. I love the accents in Eagle versus Shark. It's like part of what adds to the movie for me. Like I think it's so charming, you know? Like people yeah. are just weird. Accents are dumb. They People sound goofy, like, and I love it. It's not a bad thing at all. Like I'm sure I sound goofy to other people as well. I sound goofy sure. to myself <laughs> most of the time. But I also just think the performances in this are so good. Ben Kingsley is like owning the screen. I think I think Ray Winstone is amazing. This is far and away the best I've ever seen him. I was like, yeah, I see you nodding. Go ahead. No, Talk I was just Ray agreeing Winstone. with you. I yeah, I not to diminish Ben Kingsley at all because he's just one of those come in and command each scene. But I almost thought that Ray Winstone was a better performance, at least the one that I was enjoying more because. Um, I don't know. I think of Ray Winstone. I think of The Departed and just Jack Nicholson's right hand man beating up Leo in the with a boot. Um, to see him cower against a guy who's you know smaller than him, uh, <laughs> and just like in general, like when um his demeanor when Ian McShane, John Wick, right? Ian McShane, yeah, who's also in this movie. Oh yeah, yeah. When he, but when they're in their at the restaurant and he's trying to adamantly, you know, state that he, he doesn't know where Ben Kingsley is. His demeanor there is just so great. And I love, I don't know. I'm just, I'm just trying to say, I love Ray Winstone's performance in this uh, for a completely different reason than I love Ben Kingsley's. 
he, yeah, I think what it is is like I already knew Ben Kingsley was going to be great going into this because sure. he got an Oscar nomination and everybody talks about Ben Kingsley in this movie and they're right. Like he's incredible. But like I, I had never once heard any. I don't even think I realized Ray Winstone or Ian McShane were in this movie, you know. So yeah. like yeah. those are the two surprises for me of the movie, especially Ray Winstone. Um, yeah, Ian McShane, too, is just like ice cold. Like, I, I don't think I'd ever really gotten why he was always cast in these like like John Wick type parts. Like he's always just been fine to me um like like just one of those like british actors with a nice voice or whatever that you can cast in those side character roles but like he's so good in this i i thought like his stare is just like i would crumble if that man looked me down and asked me like like where's dawn you know or starts giving that knowing laugh when they're at the restaurant too it's like ray winstone knows he's screwed right there but like he knows that Mm. ian mcshane (laughs) knows he's lying yeah I mean, I will say I, some of the things like just in in reading about the context and and why Ben Kingsley's performance is, I guess, so noteworthy is just if you look at the things he was in before this, it was like Gandhi, Gandhi. and Schindler's List. And then here he is, you know, you know, Don, you know, you know, like those are the voices. That's the best I got. I'm sorry. <laughs> I, I have to say your your New Zealand accent was better. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, or, or or I don't know. That wasn't a compliment, <laughs> uh, but I'll interpret it as one. Um, it's just it is a transformation, and it's so he's so good. I mean, he is kind of a chameleon. I don't even think I realized what a chameleon he was. You know, I just I guess I hadn't seen him in enough. Trevor Slattery. <laughs> I think he's really funny. He's like one of my favorite yeah. parts of those movies, honestly. Yeah. Um, we talked about, what did we talk about? Dogtooth <laughs> last week, which is like a serious movie that's got funny moments. I thought this is also pretty funny, which is oh, this again, hilarious. why I was comparing it to Imbruge, which, you know, he killed a kid and he's about to get killed himself, but it's a hilarious movie. Um, like they're talking about an orgy and like all the things that are at the orgy and, and they mention and camcorders is the last thing and they say like ancient Rome and for some reason that really got me <laughs> like camcorders in ancient Rome. Um, my other favorite line just real quick is uh, Ray Winstone telling Ben Kingsley I have to turn this opportunity down and he says you're going to have to turn this opportunity yes <laughs> which doesn't make any sense. <laughs> <in this> way. <laughs> That's great. Man, there's there's a lot of I mean it just is so fast moving. There's so much dialogue here. It's also it's only 89 minutes and like they pack so much into that runtime too. I bet this would be like a great rewatch. I bet there's just like line after line after line. It's like oh and that's good and that's good and I forgot about that. Like this is when I I'm excited to rewatch this. I feel I feel like there's a lot of layers. Um, how about this? I'm gonna introduce mm-hmm. a new topic that I would much rather you talk about than me because you're better at this sort of thing. Uh, what do you make of the guy in the Donnie Darko bunny suit? <laughs> I was going to call him the Donnie Darko bunny also, which I guess isn't too unique of a... Again, His name is Frank, actually. <laughs> does, does anyone have original thoughts? Um, I was thinking about this. I don't... I can't fully make something of it, especially because of the end. Um, up to that point, I think you see him two or three times, right? Because Ray Winstone has a dream where he's like in the field... Um, and then you see him as Ian McShane coming to the table and maybe one more time, but I might be misremembering at the end of the movie too. Well, yeah, I meant besides the end. Oh, um, what I was thinking was like, it just represents death and guilt. Um, 
or maybe consequences because the consequences is what I really was picking up on when you see the brief flash of him when he's, when he's Ian McShane, you know, because Ray Winstone knows that he did something and Ian McShane knows that he did something. So I was really trying to figure something out and that's kind of what was really holding me back ultimately overall to make a full, um, I don't know, declaration about what I think about this movie because I just didn't really get the ending, meaning like the last moments. Um, was that supposed to be Ben Kingsley in his in his grave, in his coffin? Is that, and yeah, yeah, like buried Donnie underneath Darko's, the swimming pool. Yeah. So before they fixed the pool, I guess they buried him under there is the implication. I don't know. Is is it like literally under the swimming pool or is it See, a little that's way? what I don't know. Yeah. I think I feel like it traveled through the tunnel just kind of as like a cool visual device and was a little bit Fair further enough. away if I'm remembering, but I don't know. Um What did you make of it? Did you make anything of it specifically? I mean you're gonna hate me because I tried to like look up stuff about the movie to try and decipher this on well, my I, own. So. I did too, because I that one I was like, I I'm lost. <laughs> Can I just say something real quick? that that topic right there like looking up outside things i try to form my own thoughts before i look up outside so i'm not saying like it's bad inherently to look up other people's thoughts i it's just like we all fall prey to it of course you know especially with letterbox and everything i you know want to look at the letterbox reviews right away and read it uh you know what other people thought but sometimes i want to sit with a movie and decide what i think first um before i let other people's thoughts influence my own like i said this is one that i just couldn't couldn't get that down so yeah but i still didn't no. do enough research so go for it i want to hear what you yeah, have to no, say. For, for, for me it almost like depends on the movie like if there's a movie that hits me i'm not mm-hmm. gonna look up stuff about it because i want to sit in that feeling this is one that like yeah i mean like it hits me and that i loved the movie but it's like i don't care i just kind of want to know what the bunny meant <laughs> you know um yeah. So one thing I never would have picked up on the gun that the bunny's holding is apparently the same gun that's used to shoot Ben Kingsley. Um, spoilers, <laughs> of course. But yeah. uh, when when does he hold the gun at the end or in the field dream? The bunny. Yeah. I feel like he's holding it throughout, but definitely when he walks into uh, in as the Ian McShane character, he's holding okay. the gun. Okay. Okay. Um, uh, and then another thing that's interesting is. I, I want to say the character's name is H, like the the friend character who's with uh, Ray Winstone yeah. um, is shooting the, the smaller bunnies earlier on in the movie. And of course, the gun like doesn't mm. work in the mm. moment. So I'm, there's definitely something there. Uh, Forgot about I, those. I, this is one like I do want to rewatch again because I think there's something there. And I think it's probably knowing Jonathan Glazer going to be really interesting when I like fully unlock it. But um yeah that'll again, be something eight, rewatching yeah. it seeing bunnies being like leo and once upon a time being like oh bunnies that's gotta mean something <laughs> exactly i i mean it's i just want to like i want to do the let's i'll reference another meme the like uh um charlie day you know with the 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 board of <laughs> conspiracy of, board exactly the conspiracy board yeah um as far as the ending goes i feel like the ending on its own is sort of a happy ending where uh you have ray winstone is finally actually a little bit at peace you know like he was able to i mean the whole exchange with ian mcshane was awkward but ian mcshane ultimately gives him his like stupid ten dollars or ten pounds 
right. since they do that over there across the pond. Um. <laughs> because everyone hates Don Don Logan. Yeah, exactly. They're like they're like if I if I cared at all about this man, you know, right. then who knows what would have come of Ray Winstone. But I mean, like. Ben Kingsley's gotta be so annoying, you know? He's, like, just this, like, little guy with his stupid Dwight Schrute, you know, button-down short sleeve shirt and he, his <laughs> bald head and his attitude and he's, like, peeing on people's floors and, like... I mean, people are probably... And then beating them up while they're sleeping? <laughs> <laughs> that, too. <laughs> Fair. Uh, people are probably relieved that he's gone, you know? That's another testament to his performance, too, where you fully hate this guy immediately, even though you don't really know what his character is. Like, is he in charge of this group? Not really. He's, is he like a, like a wrangler to bring all these people in to do the job? You don't know any of this, any of these details, but you're fully scared of him and you fully feel his presence as soon as he walks on screen. And even before he walks on screen too, it's just like, they're talking about this guy, Don Logan. And that's when Ray Winstone, like, what I'm talking about, his demeanor immediately changes and he's no longer that tough guy who's making jokes with the kid and, you know, having the song play and being all cool at the beginning of the movie is just like all of a sudden a little kid himself whimpering, knowing that Don Logan wants him for whatever this job is. Um, yeah. Kingsley's great. That, that dinner scene right before too, right before Don comes when it's Ray mm-hmm. Winstone and they're supposed to have just a nice dinner and, you know, he's going to have the calamari. I like the calamari. calamari. He says like 15 times. <laughs> uh, man, like when they say we got a phone call and then like, you know, it's going to be about Ben Kingsley just because you, you right. know going into it, the reputation he has. It's so good. Like you're saying exactly. They perfectly set him up even before he ever comes on screen. And like he only has like 20 to 30 minutes of 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 screen time in in the movie and i mean like to so completely own it it is kind of like a hannibal lecter thing where he's sure. not the main character of the movie but he just dominates you know so heavily yeah i also wanted to talk about the filmmaking in general of course um there's some really cool shots uh there's like the camera's like on the rolling boulder as it's coming down the hill and doing the the somersault it's so good it's on the like the spinning door to the entry of one of the buildings. Um, it's on the car door at the end. There's I just like where he places the camera. It's sparing. Uh, he doesn't always do those flashy moves. There's flashy editing the whole time, but those flashy moves are saved for very specific moments. And then that dolly zoom is one of the creepiest dolly zooms we've ever seen when Ben Kingsley's just standing in the airport before he <laughs> gets kicked off the plane for his, or no. He chooses to leave the plane because he would smoke. He wants to smoke. Um, yeah, and of course, there's the editing, which is just frenetic the whole time. Uh, especially that that scene where Ben Kingsley is telling Ray Winstone what the job is, and it's like three. I'm going to say three different timelines, but I don't mean it in the way you know the multiverse way that it's used and talked about these days, but like the three different, I'm glad you clarified. That's exactly where I, I thought you were going with this. <laughs> the, the sexy beast multiverse. Um, uh, sign yeah, me I... up. <laughs> <laughs> Who is the sexy beast? Actual question. Like, is it, I was just going to ask you that too. <laughs> I don't know. I feel like Ray Winstone question mark. I mean, I mean, because I joked about tan. him in the speedo, but he, I mean, he looks good for what he is, I guess. But also, 
Ben Kingsley, we meant you mentioned he's like a silly looking guy with a bald head and the button down shirt, but he's also yeah, no, it's built. not him. <laughs> I mean, he's he's pretty built and toned. So I, could be maybe it's one the of them, bunny. I, I mean, I don't know. Oh, that's true, beast. Um, yeah, I, I like the filmmaking. That's all. <laughs> that's what I was trying to say. And that yeah, oh, that yeah, the, the the editing in that that storytelling scene is just awesome. I was more in that moment than I've been in any moment in the movie recently. You took like exactly my last few points that I wanted to say, and you just <laughs> said them all right there. So, well, my, my last point in that case is just, I like it. This is like the one scene in a getting the team together movie, but stretched out for an entire movie. So like oceans 11 or whatever, getting the team together instead of having to convince someone to come out of retirement, it's, and it takes three minutes and then you get the rest of the movie. It's the whole movie is this. And I don't have like much of depth to say about that, but I, it's a cool little twist on the crime or heist genre where the heist is at the end for about five minutes. And it's not even the main focal point. It's just Ray Winstone thinking about like the 85% of the movie that's come before because the movie's almost done at that point. And I guess when he comes up, I don't know, you see people, you know, in baptism imagery a lot in movies going underwater towards the end or at a certain point coming at a new person. I'm trying to, this is where I still don't know what I make of the ending. Cause I was trying to reconcile that where he's like having all these flashbacks of what, what happens and you finally see exactly how Ben Kingsley died. Um, but when he comes out and he talks to Ian McShane and he's fine and he has the ring and um, I was like, Oh, good for him. And then it goes to the end. So I'm still, trying to put together what that ending means but i i just liked stretching out that one aspect of a movie into a whole movie leading into that you know last moment i think that's a wrap i don't have anything else to add i i mean it's just it's like a punchy you're in you're out it's a the plot is pretty straightforward even if the presentation is is a lot more interesting than like your typical sort of guy ritchie I don't know. I don't, we keep throwing him under the bus. Uh, Guy Ritchie, director of uh, Aladdin, of course, mm. um, and the upcoming Hercules. Honey, you mean Hercules? Um, <laughs> let's let's do our grid. We, we both like sexy beast because we're getting into Hercules territory. I gotta check. He Actually, directing that, right? Yeah, I think he so. is. Hercules, sexy beast, same thing. I love that. Uh, Hercules. It is like maybe my favorite animated Disney movie. When I was a kid, I had a few favorite movies. It was Toy Story, Milan, and that Hercules movie. I also. Oh gosh, saw so you've always times. been basic. I've always been basic. Yeah. Um, I was just gonna go to yesterday on the grid, like to the yesterday section. You know, that's another song by the um, Rolling Stones. <laughs> it's a joke. Don't worry. I I knew that was a joke. Don't worry. I, I know the Beatles, Freddie Mercury, you know, the other ones. <laughs> Freddie Mercury and the other ones. Oh my gosh. What's our grid? Uh, the column headers are uh, released from 1980 to 1999, released from 2000 to 2010, and released from 2011 to 2023. The row headers are Daniel Day-Lewis, Keanu Reeves, and Gwyneth Paltrow. This will be fun. And we're back. Foster is very happy with how well he supposedly has done. 
Let's hear it. What'd you get? Uh, 2,569. I'm in the top 3.1% of players. Oh, no. For as much smack as you were talking, no! I didn't win. Okay. I didn't win, but it's much closer than I think you were expecting. Because I got 2533 top 6.1%. So that was pretty close. Let's go through this. Daniel Day Lewis, 1980 to 1999. I went with In the Name of the Father. What was that percentage? 8.7. I had The Crucible, which he plays John Proctor for 6.1. That's another one I watched in college, uh, harkening back to last week's episode. Yeah, pretty good. It's one. It's one of our. It's one of our great running themes throughout this this podcast. How we both we went, went to, college. to college. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, I, actually, uh, I actually watched the Crucible in high school. Not to brag, so. Oh, did you? Actually? I am actually better than you. So thanks. Um, <laughs> two thousand ten. That's the only reason why. Yes, exactly. Two thousand to two thousand. I read it in high school, but my teacher didn't show it. You were on we Reddit Julius in high Caesar, school, though. We read the Crucible no, in high school. <laughs> Didn't watch the movie, though. Uh, yeah, 2000, 2010. I couldn't think of anything besides Gangs of New York. I went with a movie with called... 39.7. 39.7. I went with a movie called Nine, which got me 6.8%. See? There's the difference. Like, if I could have... If I knew any other aughts movies from DDL... Yeah. Would have been a lot closer. I want to say it's Rob Marshall. Uh, I don't think it has the greatest reputation, this movie. Well, he was in Gangs, Gangs of New York, Ballad of Jack and Rose... There will be blood and nine. Obviously, that's in the two thousands. Obviously, there will be blood is gonna be probably the highest percentage out of those. Mm-hmm. Um, Jack and Rose somehow isn't related to the movie Titanic. Uh, I'd be interested to see what those percentages are. Based on your reaction when you put it in, I'm assuming you put Phantom Thread. I did put Phantom Thread. Did you put Lincoln? because I did too? Oh. No, you said you. Got the more popular one or whatever, and I was like, yep, that was me too. I figured more people uh, would put Lincoln just because it's like, that's him. It's like his face on the poster and everything, and it's like, it's billed as like the Daniel Day-Lewis movie, you know? I didn't think of it that way. I could, I honestly forgot about Lincoln, but that's good reasoning, so maybe that's why. I don't know. Did he win for either one of those? Lincoln, yeah. Both? Okay. And he gives one of these strangest Oscar speeches, by the way. It's like he tries to be funny and it's actually just comes across as really awkward um oh man i think he was uh he tra- he just tries to like throw a couple of zingers in there and it does not work at all <laughs> i'll have to look it up oh i think he was like bantering with meryl streep about how she won for the iron lady and he's like in his british accent he was talking about how oh and you know we were actually it's funny because we were up for each other's roles you know and he was trying to make a joke oh. <laughs> and it just didn't land as a joke at all and then but like of course the like rich people in the audience go oh ha 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 you know right cuts to cut right. to meryl streep laughing and it's like okay Speaking of rich people in the audience, what did you put for Keanu Reeves in the 80s and 90s? <laughs> I went with uh, Dangerous Liaisons. Percentage? 0.6. Get on oh, my man. level. I put Bill and Ted's Bogus Journey, which was 4.2, and I thought that was going to be good. Not bad. Not bad. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, he's not very good in Dangerous Liaisons, but it's actually a pretty awesome movie. <laughs> It's it's got a lot of good performances, so he does kind of stand out in a in a bad way, but it's okay. Still love him. Uh, the extent of my, my Keanu filmography is basically his action franchises, <laughs> plus one other I'll mention in a minute. 
I put Lake House for 2000s. I don't know what that is. I only know this movie exists because people I know own a lake house, uh, and we refer to it as the lake house. So this movie stood out to me because of that. What'd you put? I put Constantine, which had 13.7%. Mm. Lake house was 9.7. I don't know if I said that. Okay. I'm surprised it's that high. guess it's more popular than I realized. Uh, fair enough. 2011 to 2023. Uh, okay. This is my, my biggest accomplishment is I put to the bone. Uh, I think that's with Lily Collins and it was 0.3%. Keanu's done a few of those just like random movies that you would expect a guy who did speed in the matrix and John wick to not have been in, but that sounds like one of those. Cause I've never even heard it. That's my point. <laughs> <laughs> have you seen it? No, he plays like an anorexia doctor and I guess he's, I, I think he's supposed to be decent in it. Um, I don't really know. I mean, it's it's like a Lily Collins vehicle. I think she like lost a lot of weight for the movie or something, and there was a whole talk mm. about it. See, and I thought I was good with Always Be My Maybe at 9.5. Because mm. I was trying to stay away from Matrix and John Wick. Yeah. Have you seen that one? Which one? Always Be My Maybe? Always Be My Maybe. I have not. Yeah. I have heard that he's fun in it, though. You should at least just go watch his scene on YouTube. Like, the movie is, overall is kind of take it or leave it, but his scene is definitely hilarious. Ali Wong introduces him as her new boyfriend out of nowhere. And it's it's very good. And he, he's not playing a character. He's like actually Keanu. Uh, I, 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 that I, that I like, heard. Yeah. yeah. I'll, at some point I'll see. It. It's on the list. Randall Park just realizes he can't, you know, match up against actually Keanu. <laughs> Gwyneth Paltrow, 1980, 1999. So this was at the point where I was already like ahead with my 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 fringe picks, and I didn't wanna I didn't wanna nice push my luck, so I went Shakespeare in Love. I honestly don't know of any others in this time period, so I put Shakespeare in Love also thirty three point two. Yeah, uh, better than its reputation, I would say. I know it's gets flack for you know winning Best Picture over whatever was nominated that year, but if you just watch it as a movie, I enjoy it a lot. Yeah. Uh, just some others in, in looking up uh, Sliding Doors, Emma, Great Expectations. So there's a few from, from like the 90s, especially. What did you just ask? Well, I haven't seen any of them. I asked if you saw Shakespeare in Love. Yeah, I don't like it. <laughs> okay. Yeah, it's not for me. I think it's, um, I don't like it. <laughs> I just like romance movies if they're decent. I, I do too. I just good. really, I, I can't, I can't put words to it. This movie just like bothers me <laughs> when I watch it. Is it because of the best picture thing? Mm, I think not just the best picture, but also the best actress. I just don't really like her in this mo- in this movie. And I like mm. Gwyneth Paltrow and other things. I don't love J- Joseph Fiennes as like sex symbol Shakespeare. Uh, like I just find it like, I don't know, not offensive, but like obnoxious to me. <laughs> I didn't like I didn't like Ben Affleck in it. The only person who oh, I liked, no, no. I really liked Jeffrey Rush, who's one of my favorite actors, and he can do no wrong in my sure. eyes. But I don't know. I just I like that period of Ben Affleck's career when he was always playing, you know, jerks like that. <laughs> he's 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 good at it. Makes you wonder. Um, two thousand to two thousand ten, just throwing people <laughs> under the bus. I actually really love Ben Affleck. Yeah, I like it. He's like, he's in a new era, you know, back tattoo, last duel. I mean, go <laughs> off. Yeah. Uh, I went. Air. Air. Air's good. I like air. 
Um, except, fine. except that awful picture of him with his feet on his desk that keeps popping up every time I open that on Letterbox. <laughs> I could do without that. <laughs> um, oh, <laughs> <laughs> go on Letterbox to everybody. Uh, look up air. Uh, 2000 to 2010. Three feet picks. Exactly. Uh, for Gwyneth Paltrow, I went with, this is another great fringe pick. I went with Proof, which is with Anthony Hopkins and Jake Gyllenhaal. I've never heard of it. Any good? I haven't seen it. I think it's based on a play, um, but I think it's supposed to be decent. Question. Mark. What is the percentage? Guess what? Directed by John Madden, who also did Shakespeare in Love, now that I'm looking looking it up. And that was uh-huh. one. So you're probably going to hate it because you're a hater. <laughs> That's me. Always hating on every movie. Um, 1.3%. I beat you on this one at least. No. Two lovers. 1%. No. One even. It's a James Gray movie with Joaquin Phoenix uh, and Vanessa Shaw. It is actually really, really good. Uh, it's a nice twist on the romantic movie where, you know, it's a nice twist on the movie where someone has the idea that someone else is their soulmate. Uh, I like James Gray a lot. Armageddon Time, Ad Astra, Lost City of Z, Zed, those <laughs> Canadians. Um. I think you would like Two Lovers. I it's, think I would, it's too. very good. Joaquin is, you know... The movie, Joaquin... too, would also be interesting to watch. <laughs> Sorry. That's, you have to do it. It's a stupid joke, but it, it was good. Um, it was a know, layup. It's a typical Joaquin, you know, little freak performance, but not typical because it's a different variation on it. Anyway, I put Contagion, Contagion for 2011-2023, which I was surprised was only 6.2%. Mm. I guess everyone's putting Marvel movies for that. Yeah, way to out me. I just put Spider-Man Homecoming, which she doesn't even remember being in. So <laughs> I, I know. <laughs> and that was 9. What was that percentage? 9.2%. Okay, that's still not bad. It's, res- it's respectable. <laughs> it's respectable. <laughs> I have no, I have no foot to stand on with this one because you won the week. Because you have no feet. <laughs> I, <don't know. laughs> I only have my left foot. Uh-huh. Oh, uh-huh. zinger! <laughs> I, I almost put that one, but he won for that, didn't he? He, uh, Daniel Day did win for that. He, he, has, he has won three Oscars, three for his role as Lightning McQueen. I feel like a joke just went over my head there, huh? You said Oscars. Okay, gotcha. Who's the one making Thank fun of accents listening. now? <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much for listening. I had a good time this week. I uh, can't always say that. You can follow us on Letterboxd <laughs> at Robert's Thoughts and at FOSTH101. And if you're enjoying the show, let us know. Like, rate, subscribe. Do whatever you got to do for podcasts. Um, next week... There is a film, a little film, from a little-known and uncontroversial director named Zachary Snyder, releasing a film called Rebel Moon. And we are going to talk about Legend of the Guardians, the Owls of Gahul. I can't wait for this one. Incredible. I I can't wait to get into Snyder. This is one of the first ones that we, I think we agreed that we were going to have to do, was this movie. Um, I mean, it's, it's the Owls of Gahul, guys. I mean... Come on. Have you seen it? You haven't seen it. I have you? seen it and I don't remember a thing oh, about it. Oh, you have seen it? When I was in, oh, okay. when I was I in seen it. when I was in the womb, I saw this movie. <laughs> That's how long ago it was and I cannot wait to revisit this world. I mean, 
iconic, legendary Gahul. Legendary, as the title would imply. <laughs> I mean, appropriately named. We'll see you next time to talk about the Owls of Gahul. <laughs>